we'll get that one started too. So um, I will just state for the record then that my name is Michelle Marino and I am interviewing Robert L. Meeks. What does the L stand for? Leroy. Leroy. That's okay. my father. Okay, great. Today is Thursday, October 11th, 2018, and we are at the Allen County Public Library in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I will just start with when and where were you born? I was born in Fort Wayne and on February 3rd, 1934. Okay. And what were your parents' names? Roy and Esther Meeks. Meeks, okay. What was your mother's maiden name? Bauermeister. How do you spell that? B-A-U-E-R-M-E-I-S-T-E-R. -E -E okay. German. Okay. Her, Where's... her brothers were all born, a lot of her brothers were born in Germany. Okay, so when did they migrate over? Uh, I think when my, she came, my mom was born here, so okay. it had to be. And when she died, she was 50 years old. Okay. So sometime after she came here. Mm -hmm. Okay. They couldn't speak good English. They still spoke German. Your mother included or the brothers? She spoke German, but she spoke English, but she could speak German. Mm -hmm. In fact, she talked a lot of times in German because she didn't want me to know what she was talking about. <laughs> the only thing is, I picked it up. <laughs> Smarter <laughs> some, than... Some key words, uh -huh. especially around Christmas time. <laughs> it's important to find out the gifts, right? Yeah. Uh, what about your father's side of the family? My dad, uh, I'm not sure, he, his lineage goes back to, to Scotland, he's an Irish, Irish side, mm -hmm. but uh, he, uh, he was in the Navy after World War One and before World War II, okay. and uh, spent some time there and he just, he worked at General Electric Company in Fort Wayne here for like 35 years, well, was maintenance when he retired. Mm -hmm. And so he came to Fort Wayne, started at Cherubusco working for the doctor up there who had an onion farm and he worked on the farm. And somehow he got down here, the doctor took care of him. The doctor took care of our kids when World War II was going on because you had to have them little stamps to get anything, sugar, shoes, whatever. Mm -hmm. The doctor would take care of people and he'd take a coupon and we'd go up there to see him, he'd give us the coupons so I could get shoes and sugar and stuff mm -hmm. for the family. That's, That's when I was just seven. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I remember when World War II started. Do I you? remember that. Well, tell me that story. Well, my, we were, my dad was, you know, not active in politics. I didn't have anybody on my side of the family, my mom. None of that side of the family is in politics. And, uh, but we were in the car going somewhere when it came on the radio with the Japanese in Bob Pearl Harbor. My dad turned the car around, took us right back home. Wow. And uh, I was, I remember that. I remember when World War II ended. Where were you when that happened? Uh, downtown, Fort Wayne, uh -huh. with everybody else. They were running up and down the streets yelling and screaming. Uh -huh. So like big celebration? And yeah, like, so I came up telling my dad. Now, did you have any family members that served during World War II then? I had a lot of relation. I had cousins that served uh, in uh, the Battle of the Bulge. And one of them came up from up through Italy. I had one that flew a 
B-29s, B-17s. I was in the Air Force. I had others that were scattered out through this, mm -hmm. but I, I, not in my family, my mm -hmm. because I only got another brother, two mm -hmm. brothers. Okay. One of them is Bud, because he passed, and then I have my younger brother, who's okay. still alive. Well, that's interesting. My, my, my grandfather, um, who was 10 years older than my grandmother, fought up Italy to that same route. That's interesting. Well, my grandfather, my mom, <laughs> was an officer in the, world, in the German army <laughs> wow. during World War I. Uh -huh. And so uh, we had a connection there, but yeah. I never, uh, my, one of my, my brother's son, Brian, did a lineage on the family, mm -hmm. and I have yet to see that. He hasn't got it quite done yet, mm -hmm. but that's how I'm going to. Knew my dad had some ties to the to the to Ireland. I don't know what those are. Yeah. I just know he said I had some Irish blood in me. So. Was that strange at all for your family, with the war, or with America fighting Germany, with the German background at all, or? No, I didn't. No. No, the Barmeister name is. One of the Barmeisters, the nephew was became chief of police here in Fort Wayne at one time. Okay. That wasn't very long ago because I, uh, I was a kid when that was, I was about 16, 17 years old when mm -hmm. he was the chief. Oh, okay. So I rode his motorcycle with him when he was, a, when he was an officer with a, with a bike. Oh. <laughs> I rode the bike with him one time. Yeah. Well, so I know, um, you you just said you have two siblings, right? Now, where did you fall in that lineup? Are you the oldest or youngest? I'm the, I'm the oldest, and then Bud was next, and then my youngest brother. And what's your youngest brother's name? Fred. Fred, okay. And how many years are there between you all? Uh, he just turned 80. Okay, okay. Well, what was your relationship like with your siblings growing up? We fought like hell. <laughs> Seems My, typical for brothers. Yeah, we did. We played. Uh, I went to Concordia High School, and they both went to Fort Wayne Central. And uh, we used to play a lot of basketball in back of the house, and we played football across the street in the big field because I lived on the west side of Fort Wayne. And we used to. We had a team, and we challenged the team from the south. And we went out to the club, I think it might have been the uh, soccer club out on west of Fort Wayne, that's where we played our football when we had a team match with somebody else. No pads, no helmets, just tackle. Wow. And my dad always said, if you ever get hurt, don't you, don't you come home? Well, I get twisted my wee once. I laid on the floor for, I don't know, probably a week, week and a half before I could walk. Oh, he never knew it. Yeah. I got I got hit broadside, uh -huh. but uh, we used to have a we used to fight. We used to wrestle a lot, especially Bud and I. Uh -huh. And then I played football and broke my nose. I caught a forearm across the pile, broke my nose, and of course it was just flat. Mm -hmm. And my mom was really upset that I was playing football. She didn't want me to. Bud wanted to play. She said, don't you ever come home with a broken nose. 
he came home one night and had his book over his face and he took it off. His nose was flat over here. Somebody stepped on his nose. Boom, boom, Thurston stepped on his nose. I caught mine with a forearm. It was a, it was a rap, it was some rapidly there between us, privately. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you a story when I played basketball for Concordia. I mean, I made all city in Fort Wayne at that time. Not because I scored a lot, I only scored about, averaged about 10 points a game, but I could rebound. I mean, I was to get in my way and I knock you down. Yeah. I fouled out every game just about, but I was aggressive. Yeah. And uh, we played Fort Wayne Central one time, and I think I had 27 or 28 points in that game. Mm -hmm. And this is a story, this is a true story, because I told it at Bud's funeral. And Bud was the water boy for the basketball team for Fort Wayne Central. And I was playing, and Bud walked by Herb Bannon, who was the coach, and Herb says, why in the hell did I get you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> uh, Bud probably didn't like that so much. <laughs> it, was, it was. I told that at his funeral. That's a true story. <laughs> now, how come you were all at different high schools? Well, I went to. We all went to Lutheran grade schools, and I had a chance to play basketball for Concordia because they came out and talked to me, and so that's why I went there. I didn't go to Central because. My younger brother was outstanding athlete in Fort Wayne when he was a senior. Mm -hmm. Played basketball, football, and ran track. Wow. He was really good. Mm -hmm. He had he, he had Michael Jordan's legs. He could jump. Yeah. I mean, he could. He was he was very good. He could yeah. shoot well. Mm -hmm. He guarded Oscar Robertson. Ah. He says his highlight of his career is he blocked one of his shots <laughs> in the corner. I can imagine. Yeah. So that was the highlight of my mm -hmm. career. So. Now, didn't Robertson play for was Christmas he Addicts? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So. so you know, we all Bud played football. He didn't run track. He didn't play basketball. Okay. He did play football. Well, who would you say were the most influential people in your childhood? Well, I think my. The teacher that I had in grade school, his name was Rosenthal, Ray Rosenthal. He was probably because I, he also coached a basketball team that had been, and I got the award. And when we won the tournament, Emmanuel did, that's where I went to school. Mm -hmm. I made the free throw of a timeout and we won by one point. Not by much, I think it was like 17, 18, yeah. something like that. <laughs> I think he was. Mm -hmm. uh, Just a good influence on you? Or? Yeah, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And her, but the, my basketball coach was Ron Gershmo. He was probably had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I got out of high school, I, I went to International College and only I went there, I don't know, for maybe a year and a half and then I, I got drafted okay. during the Korean War. Okay. So when did you graduate high school then? I graduated in 52. 52, okay. Uh, and, uh, and I got drafted in 54. So I That's at the tail end of the Korean War there? 
right at the end of the Korean War and the start of the Vietnam War, because I qualified for both. This one was ending and this one had already started, so I got both of them. Uh -huh. And I wear both uh -huh. on my Legion hat, mm -hmm. Korean and the Vietnam War, since I qualified for both. Uh -huh. So were you drafted into the U.S. Army or a different branch, or how did I that stayed work? in the Army. The Army. Two okay. years. Okay. Where were you stationed at? Well, I went took my basic at Fort Leonard, Missouri, and then I went to. No, I took it at Camp Chaffee, Arkansas, and then I went to Fort Leonard for just a short time. Then I went to Fort Hood, Texas, and then I went from there to Indianapolis, Fort Bend. I, I took care of the pay records. Everybody got out of service at the service unit when they discharged. Okay. I so that was your main job? Yeah, since I had some college and accounting. So, so you, just so I get the timeline right, you said you had already been at IVC for a year and a half or so before you got yeah, drafted? Is that right? I didn't finish. Okay. I did not finish. Okay. I spent my two years and I came home and I went back there and I, and I graduated. I, I had two courses, cost accounting and advanced accounting, I had those two to do. Okay. And it, it was a different attitude for me then because I was married and I actually studied, which I had never done before, I just kind of, <laughs> yeah. but I actually studied and I, I got good grades. In fact, I didn't have to take one of the finals because my average was high enough. Did you want to be an accountant, or what were you thinking about well, doing? Well, I don't career? know. I was just—I didn't really want to be an accountant. I didn't—I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Even when I got out of the service, I didn't know what I wanted uh -huh. to do. I had to have a job, so I got a job with uh, construction, poured the concrete on Twenty-Seven going south when they built that four lanes. I—I I carried the steel forms on the truck, off the truck. That's what I did. And uh, till they uh, till they got the road done and then didn't have a job, so I'm looking. And I was at uh, one of the companies in town, getting ready to get an application when one of the county officers came in, and he said, "You looking for a job?" I said, "Yeah, I am." He said, "Well, I got an opening at the jail. You ought to go down and see the sheriff." So I did. That's how I got law enforcement. Wow. Started out as a midnight jailer. Uh-huh. What was that like? Uh, it was pretty good except on Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> I bet. It got a little tough. Yeah. And yeah, they like to fight when they get drunk. Mm -hmm. It was not, not fun. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you realize, you know, I'd like to do this for a career? When, when I got to jail, I got out on the road. They put me on a car finally after I served about, when is it? jailer for a while, then I got to be dispatched, and then I went into the car. Okay. I spent about maybe two years in the car mm -hmm. working that second and third shift. Mm -hmm. I worked second for a while, but I wanted on third. There was only three of us in the county that worked that whole county. East car, west car, roving car. And is this LaGrange or is this Here, Fort Wayne? In, in Allen County, there were three of us. And if one was on vacation and the other guy's on day off, you were the only one. Wow. All night. Mm -hmm. And is this sheriff or regular police department? Sheriff's department. Sheriff's department, okay. Yeah. There was only three of us. 
That's sort of mind-boggling right now. It is. It's hard to believe. And when I went to Elkhart County as a trooper, there was three road cards on the sheriff's department up there, days, middle shift, late shift. And now, on the third shift, they got five cars and a detective. Wow. Yeah. And when I was there, they had one car on that shift. That's crazy. I mean, there wasn't, down here, there wasn't any of us. Mm -hmm. If you got in trouble, you had to figure out how to get out. Yeah. I caught, I mean, I had some close calls. Uh -huh. I, coming down here, I come down Wells Street. Four o'clock in the morning. There's a car weaving just a little bit, and I turn the lights on. And the next thing I know, we come across State Street running about 90 miles an hour against the light. Came down to Fourth Street, and he turned, stood up over the curb, bounced off the building, went a block, and made another turn. And a black kid jumped out. He went to the next corner and turned right. Another black kid jumped out. Went down to Sherman and went across Broadway and. He ran that light, and I didn't do that, thank God, because somebody went through there just as I got to the corner. My goodness. The car went out, was rolling out down the railroad track when I finally got it. It was full of uh, stuff. They had burglarized a, an electronic shop up north of Fort Wayne there, mm -hmm. just off of three. There were five of them. They got them all rounded up. Oh, wow. One of them was a convicted felon, so he got some time. Yeah. But I had, I caught a couple of kids in back of the Hoagland High School in the woods one night at three o'clock in the morning. They were going to kill me if I got close to them. I never got close. Yeah. Shotgun, lights, on the ground. They were going to kill me. Yeah. Because they had had a running gun battle in Minneapolis. They burglarized three or four places in Hoagland. But I, I never got close to them. I just happened to sweep my blight back there and that chrome bounced off and I think that's not right about to check it out. And so and you're by yourself? I'm by myself. I called the plate in and the dispatch come back and said uh, uh, code X. You know, something wrong. Mm -hmm. So I just got away from them. Got them out of the car. They were sleeping back here. Yeah. <coughs> I've had a lot of those close calls. I bet. I, bet. I was I in the basement of a building one night. The door was open. Mm -hmm. I'm walking in the basement of this grocery store. A darn cat jumped out. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's where I didn't shoot that yeah. cat. <laughs> Almost had a dead cat I'm telling you, hear it in the back of my head. It was just yeah. like that. Yeah. That'll scare you. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. You're dark and a cat jumps out. Yeah. Well, what, what did you love about being a sheriff, about being a... Policeman? Yeah. Excitement. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the cats? Always knew it was something was going to happen. You could always make something happen. That's why I like that late shift. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was involved in a lot of high-speed chases. I caught burglars. I caught people that stole cars. Did arrested a lot of drunk drivers. Mm -hmm. Was in a lot of fights. Yeah. I was in every riot Indiana ever had. You were in what? The riots in the oh. 60s. You remember those? Mm -hmm. We had a riot squad at Ligonier. Every post had one. Mm -hmm. And 
I was in every one of them. I was in Michigan City, I was at the prison, I was at South Bend, I was at Fort Wayne, I was at Kokomo twice. I was at Purdue when the students took over the building down there. We went down there, we didn't have to go in, but we went down there and ate and turned around and came back. But Kokomo was like going to war. They had all the street lights shot out. They were throwing beer bottles on my car and bricks. Two cars, two people in the car, two cars together. Well, what was going on? I mean, 1960s, that was sort of a tumultuous well, that's, time. Well, that's but... when the blacks were demonstrating. Mm -hmm. Down Kokomo, a, a black had shot a Kokomo police officer. Everything got nasty. We finally closed up their barbecue pit about 3.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. That was fun. I had the shotgun loaded the safety off. It was, uh, I never fired my gun but one time. Mm -hmm. I chased a, I got a call, dispatch, just general dispatch, mm -hmm. about a car that was stolen up in Michigan, a white car. Two kids, or two men, No, no direction, just a white car. So I'm coming home. At, uh, I worked 6 to 2, and it was probably about 2.30 on my way home in Goshen. That's where I live. On 33, and this white car went by me. So I just turned around on it, and the next thing I know, we're just going full bore. I don't know if you're not familiar with Elkhart, but we went through three stoplights at 90 miles an hour. And they turned on the Prairie Street, and it was a a stick and it died on him and the doors opened up and two guys jumped out and the guy went this way and I fired one in the rear and he stopped. I got him and the other guy we picked up a couple hours later. Mm -hmm. It's the only time I ever fired my gun. That's a pretty good record. I tell everybody when I did that I shot a hole through the barrel of my ass. <laughs> Not true. Yeah. What a good story. That's yeah. a true story. Though. Wow. I got Somebody said I should have wrote a book. Yeah. Because I tell you, I got stories like that for mm -hmm. hours, I can tell you. Mm -hmm. Man, I, I like being a police officer. Mm -hmm. The only problem is I I was a district commander. And I had taken an afternoon off to of play golf with a bunch of detectives that were friends that all had accumulated hours. Mm -hmm. So we all took comp time. And I had a few drinks. Coming home, it was one of those fall nights. It was really dark and it was raining. That stuff on the windshield. And I went to pass a car and there was a buggy coming south this way and I he had a little light on. I didn't see it until I got right there and I turned and caught the left front wheel. So they they, they tested me with a tester and I was .07. Mm -hmm. Which that's under the legal earth. Yeah, at that time it was .15. Yeah. Or point one one. It might have been point one one at that time. Mm -hmm. So I went on home. They investigated the accident. And, and everybody was fine. I understand, right? And nobody got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Because if I got turned quick enough, mm -hmm. the only thing that keep me from running over it. But uh, superintendent, I was. Bob Orr was going to be governor, and he had told me that I was going to be superintendent through some other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bob Meeks will be my superintendent. Well, 
Shettle was the superintendent, so he filed charges against me for driving on the influence. And I had my hearing. The lawyer couldn't come in with me. He couldn't ask questions. And uh, so he convicted me. Took one of my stripes away. Took me out of the district control. I was, I was first sergeant. They demoted me to sergeant. I was no longer district commander. And suspended me for five days. So I took the five days and went to California. And when I got in the Senate, I had appealed that thing, I don't know how many times. Appealed it once more and they turned it over. Mm -hmm. put, me, put me back as a first sergeant. Mm -hmm. And gave me all my back pain that wow. I had lost. Well, I told the FOP lawyer, it was John Uncle's house, that whatever happened, I'd give my money back. So I gave all my money that I got to mm -hmm. the FOP because they had paid Ruckelshaus for my legal. Mm -hmm. And I was in the Senate and I got my ID card. They wouldn't get they didn't give wouldn't give me a new one because mine it was sergeant. Mm -hmm. I was first sergeant. Mm -hmm. So finally I called the personnel manager and I said, This is Senator Meeks, and by God I want that and I want it changed now. I finally got it done. <laughs> you did. But I left the state police because of that I couldn't work there anymore. Yeah. The love of the job had been killed. Mm -hmm. I'm very honest with you. I was getting close because the guy that took my job wanted to be the district commander. He lived there. He was working the toll road. He was mm -hmm. a lieutenant on the toll road, but he wanted that because he only mm -hmm. lived two miles. Mm -hmm. And so he got, he took my job. I just didn't have the. Mm -hmm. You got to have a love for that, or you can't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I didn't do anything. I used to run 50 arrests a month. I used to work anything. I wrote 150 warnings, and I just didn't do anything. Yeah. Quit. And was that in like 1981 around 81. there? 81. 81. So I figured if I didn't leave, I'd probably end up getting charges filed because I wasn't doing anything, so yeah. I figured I'd better get out of there before I got in a fight. Yeah. Well, can you explain real quick the um, progression? So you started at the jail, and then you said you got, eventually got put in the car. So how did you then become sheriff and then state police and then... I didn't, well, I wasn't sheriff. I just was, I just worked for the sheriff. You just worked for the sheriff. Yeah, okay. I was just a road road patrol. Okay. Just a regular, I wasn't even a sergeant or corporal or anything. Just, okay. Road. Just worked a patrol. Okay. Third shift. I made application for the state police and took the exam and passed it, and they, I got accepted, okay. so I quit. Custer Dunathan was the sheriff at that time, and uh, when I left, he said, see ya. Custer and I didn't get along very good. <laughs> uh -huh. I didn't. I just, my brother thought the sun rose and shined in him, but I, I told him many times, I said, but I never liked him, mm -hmm. and I never did. He, I don't, he wasn't a good leader. He was a, he just was a public appearance guy. Yeah. And I didn't, I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So that's why I left. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys told me that I should have been sheriff, 
but I, I said I don't want that. Mm -hmm. So I got on the state police and they sent me to Elkhart. That's where I went to work out of the Ligonier District. Mm -hmm. I worked up there until I got promoted in 1969 and I got transferred to LaGrange. Okay. And I tell you, I've told a lot of people this. I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord Jesus. He has his hand on you and you don't even know it. I would have stayed on the state police, but that accident shoved me out of there. I didn't want to go to LaGrange County because I liked Elkhart County lived in Goshen. LaGrange County was buggies. You know, the stores and the streets are closed up at 9.30 at night. Right. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. But they sent me there anyway, because I had to move there when I got promoted. I had to move in one of those four counties. So I got in LaGrange County. I got there because there was a house that had three bedrooms and a shower, stand-up shower, because I take showers, I don't mm -hmm. take baths. Mm -hmm. I found it. So it was in, I was looking in Stuban, I was looking in DeKalb, Noble, but I ended up in LaGrange only because of that. So I, I worked, I ran for the school board and I got elected. And uh, closed the building, tore a building down, closed the school. Not very popular. <laughs> I was on the is this is it Lakeland? Lakeland. Lakeland School Board. Yeah, right. we we tore this old building down at Howe, which was uh, in the uh, historical society. Mm -hmm. Tore that one down. Closed the one at uh, Brighton. Had a beautiful gym, but had all kinds of problems. Had to take care of. Mm -hmm. So it was really. But anyway, I decided I was going to. I, with my, when I was on the state police, I was active in the FOP. I became a district trustee, then I became the state conductor for the state of Indiana. And during that time, I I'd got the Addie Maddox Award, which is the highest award the FOP gives for people that demonstrate uh, commitment to the uh, to the job, to the form, the ability to communicate work cross lines. Mm -hmm. So I'd spent a lot of time in Annapolis and Ellie Lundquist, the senator from up here, became very good friends with me because I was an Elkhart basketball fan. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you all this stuff, but it's just kind of filling in the blanks. Sure. Anyway, I used to, when Max Bell and Joe Harvey were coached for Elkhart, I used to go with the team escort if they want to come to the regional, well, I escorted them down. Mm -hmm. Jim Smith and I escorted them, mm -hmm. Red Light and Sire. And I got to be very good friends with both of them. And, and, and uh, Eldie was the announcer for the South for the Elkhart radio station. What was his name? Eldie Lundquist, oh. who was senator from up there. Yeah. So I, I talked to him a lot. I went to Annapolis. I always took him, he came out there, we talked. Mm -hmm. Anyway, kind of got the feeling that you know, I'd like to do that. So I was on the school board. Mm -hmm. I thought, 
Munger run for the Senate. John Augsburger had been the senator for 28 years. He was thinking about retiring, he wasn't sure. So I went and talked to him and I said, John, are you retiring? And he said, I don't know. I don't know yet. Well, okay. I went back the second time, are you going? Yeah, I don't know yet. Well, I'm gonna run, John, for, for your seat. Well, so he retired. So I filed. There were three of us on the primary on the ballot mm -hmm. for the, for the, for the uh, not for the general, for the yeah. primary. Do you remember who the other two were? One of them was a school teacher that was a farmer. One was a school teacher in Kendallville, and the other was a farmer in Noble County. And what made you choose the Senate over the House? I don't know. Uh -huh. I didn't want to go to the House. I wanted mm -hmm. to go to the Senate because mm -hmm. I talked to Eldie Lindquist because yeah. mm -hmm. okay. he seemed to know everything was going on. Yeah. So I went ahead and run. You know, I had never been involved in politics, mm -hmm. and they didn't think I was going to win. I won by 331 votes in the primary, mm -hmm. and I won by 25,000 in general. Wow. But what they forgot is I had worked that whole area. Mm -hmm. Somebody called me and says, everybody that you help vote, you'll win hands down. Mm -hmm. So I, I worked hard. I mean, I was everywhere. I went to, if there was a Democrat coffee shop, I went in there. <laughs> Well, when did you sort of develop, you know, you said earlier that no one really in your family had been into politics. When did you sort of come into the Republican Party or even understand? My dad was a Republican. Okay. So you at least understood your family's politics yeah. in the sense of... But I, I had to, when I came on to state police, I had to declare we're Republican or Democrat. I, re, I declared Republican. Mm -hmm. So it kind of followed me through. All. I voted Republican all the way. Mm -hmm. I I never voted a straight ticket because mm -hmm. I've, I've had some people that I thought were qualified that were sure. on the other side. Mm -hmm. I had some very good friends of mine that were Democrats, mm -hmm. but I never. When I campaigned, I never mentioned my opponent's name. Talked about me, mm -hmm. not him. Mm -hmm. If I'm paying for that ad, I want my name in there, not yeah. yours. Yeah. If you want your name in there, you pay for it. <laughs> It's a pretty good tactic, That's exactly, yeah. That's exactly what I did. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I had ran some, some air. I didn't run it. I don't think I run any movies. I, I, I ran some radio spots. Mm -hmm. But uh, my best radio spot was my grandson, who I think at that time was probably eight, maybe nine. Mm -hmm. He says, hi. My name is Patrick Martin, but my grandpa, my name is Pat Martin, but my grandpa calls me Patrick. More music. He said, I, my grandpa is State Senator Bob Meeks. He says, I don't know what he, what he does, but he's busy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he's helping everybody, and it just, and it, it was the best. He went to school and he'd walk the hall and says, hi, Patrick, Martin. <laughs> That's funny. It was funny. That sounds like a cute ad. That was the best commercial I ran. Yeah. I ran a lot of them, but that was one of the best. Uh -huh. Well, let me jump back here real quick. You, you said uh, earlier, at least when you came back from serving, 
uh, you were married. Did you get married before you? Got married when I was in the service. When you were in the service. Got married in 1955. 55. And Carol is? Carol. And what was her maiden name? Schumann. Schumann. Okay. German. And, <laughs> stay with the Germans, right? Okay. Um, and then when did you all have kids? Well, I have four. Okay. Four kids. I have a daughter. I have three sons. Okay. And my daughter is, I think she's 60 or 61. Mm -hmm. She must be 61 because my son's 60. Mm -hmm. And my, they're all, my daughter lives in Topeka, and my son lives in LaGrange, and one son lives in Noble County, the other one owns a grocery store. Did own one in Payne, now he owns one in uh, Flora, which is just okay. west, east of Lafayette. Okay. Super value. Okay. And uh, so they're they're very close around. Yeah. They're not very far away. Mm -hmm. And then I I have I think I have five grandkids. I think I have four great grandkids. Wow. I've got. Pat Martin's got two. Heather's got two. That's three. Yeah. yeah. I got four. She's got a one that lives that's her take me. That's his son. His mm -hmm. son. Because mm -hmm. she's been married twice. Yeah. So if you count that, I got five. Yeah. So then, did your wife work outside the home or? She worked. Uh, she worked at the local bank in, okay. in LaGrange. Okay. For, uh, I had two jobs. When I wasn't with the state police, I was building buildings or pouring concrete or driving a truck. So was there about an eight or nine year window when you were done with the police, but before you got into the Senate, uh, about that well, time? Well, during that time, I started my own business. Okay. I sold burglar and fire alarms. I had guard service, and I had I had a hundred thousand dollar payroll, and I sold sell maybe a couple alarms a month because mm -hmm. I only had one guy installing, and he, he a lot of times I had to help. But I had a lot of time when I was campaigning, I had to fill slots for guys that a guard wouldn't show up. I had to, I'd be out in a tie and a white shirt. <laughs> I'd be in there sweeping the floors, uh -huh. doing the guards' work because uh -huh. he didn't show up. Yeah. I had a contract to fill, mm -hmm. and so. then I had a couple. Of, we had the golf course was having trouble, and my wife and my daughter set out there one night as guard service because I was gone. So they pulled the guard service wow. from ten o'clock at night till five in the morning. And I figured that's enough of that crap, so yeah. I sold the business. Okay. Well, you were just mentioned, or go ahead, sorry. I just couldn't let them do that. I didn't, I just couldn't do it all. Yeah. You know, I was just, when I got elected, I just had to, I just divorced it all. But it was, I ran for the school board during that time. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I, when I do things, I get too involved. You know, I can't. I was president of the school board, I think, three years out of the four. We had some very contentious meetings, smoking in schools, 
that really got nasty. Fired the basketball coach who coached my son. I fired him. That was that was really hard. Messing with basketball in Indiana, you're that's oh, a risk. It's hard. <laughs> hard. It wasn't a bad. It wasn't a hard vote. It was an easy vote, but it was hard because of all the anxiety that everybody. You know, everybody says it's pressure. Pressure is self-imposed. Give it away. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I served. I had pressure when I was chairman of the appropriations committee. I'd give it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump back into the government stuff then here for a second. Um, you were talking about campaigning and the way you sort of ran ads, but what were some of the big issues to you as you were campaigning? Well, I ran. Uh, my philosophy on education is uh, it's best served at the local level. You can't reinvent something. Mm -hmm. Teacher, just get out of the way, let them teach. Mm -hmm. Quit getting in there and messing things up. Mm -hmm. Quit trying to find the magic bullet to make everybody score higher. That's always been my philosophy all the way through. Mm -hmm. And even when I got into Senate, I, I did that. That's why I got along with ISDA. You know, I leave, leave the teacher to teach. Mm -hmm. Get out of the way. Mm -hmm. So was education a big issue it even was. before you got into the Senate, obviously well, with was, the school board? It's always been a, an issue with the school board because I knew so much about uh, That was one of the things that, that was on my schedule. That yeah. and service, I guess. I talked about small government not expanding, get out of the way, let everybody be themselves without having a hand over you, mm -hmm. pushing you and shoving you around. Mm -hmm. But let me finish this story about the Lord putting yeah. me in LaGrange County. Okay. So in LaGrange County, I ran for the school board and got elected. Mm -hmm. Then I ran for the Senate and got elected because I was in LaGrange County, because I didn't want to leave put over there. Yeah. It kicked me a little bit to get me in there. <laughs> uh -huh. But if you said I sit back and I look at that, you know, I think, you know, I've got a I've had the Lord's had his hand on me a lot. Because I had back surgery, I got this bad leg, I had a stroke, you know, suffered no damage, none. You know, I didn't like and doctors said it was a, it was a miracle because I could squeeze and talk to them, and uh, I've had it punked a hole in my heart one time, and I was I drove a thing down through my chest. I mean, I've had numerous times when the Lord set His hand on me, protected me, where I probably all the fast driving I did. Never had an accident driving fast, and I used to drive a hundred every day. I mean, every day, mm -hmm. and just to practice, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. And uh, did some crazy things. I'm one of the few troopers that drove the Indianapolis 500 in your my police car. <laughs> I, I can't tell that story. <laughs> Sounds like a good you one. I can but tell you, but you can't print it. Do you want me to pause it?
you know. Okay. I just won't tell you. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll let you have that one. Yeah. Um, I should have got fired if they'd have found out about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe better not to have that one on record, probably. So, um, what was, would you remember your first election day? So after that first campaign and you won, what was that like for you? Well, we had, I had scheduled a reception afterwards at, at one of the local restaurants that was owned by the Democrats. But she welcomed me in, she put up a big feast for me and just treated me like a king. Mm -hmm. And that was, a, I think it, I finally went home about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And we walked in and we just, just got in there, my wife and my daughter, I think, was with me, when the lights went out. And we had a backup. I got 220 because I got electric heat. We had a backup from the pole, came back into the house and melted my box downstairs. Just melt. It got so hot, it just melted everything in it. It was on a concrete wall. If it had been on the other wall, the house would have burned down. Because I went down there, the black smoke was just pouring out there. I got down there and got the light and I shut the thick power off. But everything else in the bottom of the box, all the breakers, mm -hmm. all melted. Oh my goodness. Yes, it was the good thing I was home. And yeah. that was the day I got elected <laughs> that night. Yeah. I'd have been up there another 15 minutes. Yeah. See? Yeah. The hand. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, how did your family feel about you running for a second? Oh, they were all in favor of it. Mm -hmm. All of them. My kids all helped. Mm -hmm. About how old were your kids at the time? Well, let's see, I ran in 88. My daughter was born in uh, 56. Okay. My son was born in 57. So they were young. Mm -hmm. They carried signs in the parade for them. Okay. Uh -huh. All had shirts on. They had all Meeks for Senate shirts. So they all carried these big signs mm -hmm. and Meeks. They helped put them out, and they took signs and put them out. Mm -hmm. I had a party right before the election where I had hot dogs, and, and we did dump for dunked for apples, uh -huh. and I had popcorn, and I brought a magician in for the kids. I had I don't know how many people were there, probably I don't know three three hundred maybe. Mm -hmm. Have them all take a sign. Now when you're all done, take a sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take a sign. Right. So that's, I mean, I had fun. Mm -hmm. I worked hard, but I had fun doing it. Mm -hmm. I went, like I said, I, when I ran, I was in everywhere. Well, did your camp, I mean, obviously you went through, what, say five or so elections. Did your campaign strategy change every time, or did it get easier, or? Same. Same way. Same. Okay. Kept selling me. Mm -hmm. I'm as close to tell. I advertised my home phone number in every piece of advertising I did on the placemats in restaurants. Senator Bob makes close as your telephone, my home phone number. Wow. What made you do that? I did that for 25 years in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I just kept doing it. You can't take care of people if you can't get a hold of you. That's true. Now, all they got is the 800 number goes to the Senate. I believe in 
serve it. If you're going to serve, serve. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of that. I mean, I got a call one time. The guy says, my son's having a birthday. It's, I don't know, six, seven, eight birthday. I don't know. Would you come over and, uh, and wish him a happy birthday Sunday afternoon? I was home. I said, sure. So I got a little pin, one of those Indiana pins. Mm -hmm. I went over to the house. It was a trailer. I walked in. It was a small trailer. He had a little cake sitting there on his birthday. So I sat down, had a cup of coffee and a piece of cake, and sang happy birthday to that kid on Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. I bet they don't do that now. Probably not. So it sounds like it was obviously very important for you, for your constituents to be able to reach you. Oh yeah, that's that's. I always figure you can't find me. You can't. I can't help you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was always. That was my, my message mm -hmm. when I ran. I had the county Democrat chairman in Kosciuszko County lived in my district, ran against me. Bob Meeks, lobbyist, give him everything, takes everything. He's under their control, did that whole lobby thing. I never answered him. I just ran my ads like I would service, I'm here to help you. If you need me, call. Uh, I believe in education, da -da, fam finances, da -da, all that. I did a lot of town meetings. Anyway, he ran. I had 99 precincts. I won every one of them. I beat him in his home two to, two to one. But I won them all. Mm -hmm. But he, gave, he really gave me hell for me. That's all right. Yeah. I, I can take that. Mm -hmm. It's helping me because he's getting my name on. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> well, what? So you said you told me the story about election night. What was it? What were you thinking the first time you walked into the state house? You first came to Indianapolis. Well, I'll tell you. I told my wife this story. When I walked into the Senate, I went up on the balcony and looked over the fall of the Senate, and I got this warm feeling. And I told her, when I lose this, I'm out. I could feel that warmth, mm -hmm. that responsibility, that feeling that I had. And I told her, when that is gone, I'm gone. I never lost it. Mm -hmm. I just had to leave because of my health. Mm -hmm. By the state in there, the doctor said I was going to die because the stress was killing me. I was working 18 hours a day can't do that, working on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Was that when you had the stroke then? Yeah. Yeah. I had it, I had it on a Monday. I didn't go to work. I was in my, I, st I stayed in an apartment down there when mm -hmm. Dave Hawkins was on the other side. I was over here. I didn't feel very good. And I couldn't get this hand to work. I couldn't stick it on my nose and I couldn't stick it in my ear. It was like this. I couldn't understand what in the world's wrong with that. How am I going to play golf? Well, I, I know I'll get one of those bowler things on there and make that wrist stiff. That'll work. So I stayed home all day. The next day, I got ready for work. It took me three hours to get a shower and shave and get dressed. So I went in. I went to the bathroom. and I, I 
couldn't get my zipper back up. My hands would not work. And nothing was right. So there wasn't a doctor of the day because I asked them to get the doctor whether there wasn't one that day. So they had one of the guys that was a senator was a uh, uh, skin doctor. Uh, dermatologist? Dermatologist. And they said, we'll get him up here. He may not be able to say what's wrong with it, but he'll clear your skin up. I said, hot dog. <laughs> so he came up and he said, you're going to the hospital. So then they called the state police. They got a gurney up there. I said, no, I'll walk down. So I walked down, got on the gurney out there and put me in the ambulance. And uh, my heart was beating so fast that they couldn't count. So I went over to the hospital. Over there, state police took me over in the car. I got sick. They said, Don't you throw up in my car? I said, Hey, I've been that route, I won't do that. Because <laughs> I had, I, anybody threw up in my car was bad news. <laughs> so I got out of the car, threw up in the sidewalk. <laughs> Went inside, that's what the doctor said to squeeze my hand, squeeze it. Talk to me, I talked to him. You raise your leg, yeah, move your arm down. So I took a MRI, and what happened? This carotid artery on this side, inside tore. You know, it's layered in there. There's layers. One of the inside layers tore, seized it. Piece broke off, went right up here. So I took the I took the CAT scan. I could, they showed me the where it was at. So the Lord took care of me. Kicked me in the pants and told me to get out of there. So yeah. he did. Mm -hmm. Well, that was that was a, a, not a pleasant time. No, I bet. Well, how did you jumping back into when you first started with the Senate? How did you learn the ins and outs of state government? Well, I sat next to Dick Thompson in the back back room of the Senate. First year, Dick Thompson was on his side. Bev Gard was over here, and Dick helped me walk through the process in the Senate. I just paid attention. I read the rules, read the rules of the Senate. They give you a binder on that every time. If they make any changes, you get a new binder. So I read those, so I understood all, and I listened. And. Uh, the first time I went to the mic, I think it was on a resolution, so it really didn't take take much pre preparation. Mm -hmm. But I just paid attention to what was going on. I watched everything in the back row. You could see everything going. I could see who was working who over what. Mm -hmm. I just watched and learned. Mm -hmm. And Bob Garton, I spent, I stayed at the Columbia Club, so I had breakfast every morning with Joe Harrison and Bob Garton. And there was probably eight or nine, ten of us, all legislators that had breakfast every morning. I was in there in the evening, we'd go back for the par, sit downstairs, I'd sit with Joe Harrison and listen to Joe, he'd tell me to do this or do that. I'd ask him what about that, he'd tell me. I, that's, that's how I did it. Mm -hmm. So w would you say like, how do I want to word this? A lot of business was sort of taken care of informally over coffee, over a drink, over well, dinner. Generally, 
That's yeah. how I learned. I, I spent a lot of time in the Columbia Club because I didn't, I didn't go out. I'd just go back to the country club, the country, uh, the, the Columbia Club. Columbia Club. Yeah. And stay there with Harrison and Garden would come down stairs at night. Mm -hmm. We'd sit there and just shoot the breeze. Mm -hmm. And there was some lobbyists in there. I got to know those people. Mm -hmm. And just, I just listened. Learned. I listened to the guys that went to the mic and how they, how they pontificated, how they bloviated some of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I just watched and listened. So you keep saying go, the phrase "going to the mic." Is that when people would go up to sort of argue for their bill or their legislation? Debate. Debate. Okay. Present debate. I lo I love the debates. Well, how did that work? So did someone get to sort of present their side and then someone else would counter it? Or? Yeah, what you do if you got a bill, you, you present the bill. Mm -hmm. And then there's open for debate. And why do you rise? Question the author. Senator, do you yield? I yield. You may question. Questions. You can't argue. You can answer, but you can't argue. So you do that back and forth. You bring up, he'd bring up his point. You don't have to. I turned him down one time. They asked me, a guy wanted to question the author, and I said no. I had the, that was my I had that option to say no. Mm -hmm. Well, they'd asked me the same question about a half a dozen times, and I was done. I wasn't going anymore. So yeah. And there were some guys that didn't read the stuff. He just picked out a piece. It didn't mean anything without reading the rest of it around it. Right. And then he'd argue that little piece, and I wasn't going to do that. Right. Some of them are still in there that do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you recall the first bill that you put forth? Yes, I do. What was that? The first one I went the mic on was a bill changing the date for the licensing of riverboat captains. It went from a fiscal year to a calendar year. So I presented the bill. Question, one of the Democrat senators, I can't remember his name right now, but he was, he was sharp. Oh, McCarthy. McCarthy, McCarthy, not McCarthy. Uh, Pi Simpson's husband. Uh, McCarty. I think it is McCarty. Anyway, yeah. came to the mic and he said, Senator, what's a riverboat captain? What's he do? Where does he operate? I said, well, Senator, there's Constitution labeled three. Oh, he asked me what a navigable waterway was. And I said, well, Senator, the Constitution labeled three of them. The Wabash, I named all three of them. And they've been upheld. They're still listed today as Navajo Waterways. Well, thank you. Sit down. If I hadn't known that, he'd have hammered me. Yeah. So I never went to the mic unless I knew the answer to every question. Yeah, you prepared. I did. Every, I mean, I knew that stuff backwards and forwards.
When how did that bill come about? Was that something that somebody asked me to carry it? Mm -hmm. They gave it to me as a, something to get started with. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was my first one. That was Bill McCarty. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, what was the regular interaction amongst assembly members? Did you mingle with the other side? Sure. Or? Uh -huh. I used to go to dinner with the Democrats. Bob Bob Hellman uh, and Maury Dahl was from Lafayette or from Terre Haute. I used to go out to dinner with those guys, just the three of us. And they always said that I was the best debater on the Senate on the Republican side. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. That's what they said. But I used to go with I used to go and and when Hellman was the majority leader, minority leader, I used to go in the office and he is he used to have M and M's over there, I'd go and eat his head. I'd go in there and sit down and have a cup of coffee. Uh -huh. And Jim, uh, Jim Lewis from Evansville, or down at the southern part, mm -hmm. I think, I can't remember where it was, southwest, when uh, him and I collected little pins. And if I got extra pins, I always gave them to him and he'd give them to me. Mm -hmm. we used to, his wife was the, the doorkeeper on the center, the minority side. When he celebrated his 50th wedding anniversary in Southern Indiana, my wife and I went down, mm -hmm. celebrated with him. They had a big party, and we were part of it. So you had good relationships across the aisle. Yeah, I had no problem doing that. I, I always contended that they got elected to serve their 26,000, as I did. They ought to have a voice in the government if it was something that was valid. I mean, I could support that. They had some guys that are, were very good. Louis Mayhern was probably one of the best debaters they had, intellectually intelligent. He always had a new word every day, and he'd always use it somewhere in a sentence. That's what he told me, a new word every day, and he used it in a sentence. He was a good, he, he could argue logically, and at times, he almost convinced me he was right. Mm -hmm. Hellman, on the other hand, could argue, he could talk about a paperclip for a half hour. <laughs> and he was good. I'm not saying that bad in, in any bad. In, he was good. He was. He could talk. He was. He's a lawyer. Yeah. You know, lawyers are, are born to be to argue. They're not born to be peaceful. Yeah. But, what about relationships with House members? Did you know many people that started? I knew a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got, I got the reputation. If you want something done, you got to send it to Meeks. So I knew a lot of both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. Pat Bauer, for example, uh, when he was speaker, I could go in his office and ask him a question. And before that, the speaker before Pat was. guy ran for governor on the Democrat side this last time. Oh, Greg. Yeah, John Greg was speaker. Mm -hmm. I could go up and talk to him mm -hmm. when he was on the floor, when he was on the mic, yeah. the chair. Ask him a question. If he'd say no, I knew it was no sense pursuing it because mm -hmm. I wasn't going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Same way with Pam. Mm -hmm. so. 
that chaired the budget committee. I was, I, I was, that was before it was on the budget committee. I just still talked to him. He said no. Mm -hmm. I meant no. I, I understand no. Unless that's going any farther. But there was a lot of good, I, I, a lot of good guys over there, and I got to be friends with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Some of them I, I knew, some of them I didn't associate with. A lot of them I did. There are a lot of golfers over there. I'm a golfer. You can settle a lot of things on the golf course. And I always respected them. And my house member was a Democrat. And I, I was a Republican and a Democrat. And he was my good friend. And I never helped anybody that ran against him. And it made a lot of Republicans mad. And uh, who was that? I gotta think. <laughs> well, I can probably look it up too. I, jeez, oh, isn't that off? I just saw his his wife's name's Faye. I just saw him the other day. Saw her. He died here a while back. Mm -hmm. I can look it up. I can find that name. Now, very let easily. me think a minute. Okay. I want to get that. It just bothers me. God, he's, he was sheriff for 11 years. I was the first state police officer that him, saw him when he got elected. First one to visit him in his office. Oh, that is bad. I can see his face. We used to ride together to go to town meetings. Jeez, that, that's bad. I'm having a senior moment. <laughs> it happens. Jeez. Well, I should be able to tell you the name, too. I'm trying to think. I don't have any of the oh, health shit. stuff in here. That's bad. That is really bad. He's one of my best friends, too. We'll let it sit for a minute, yeah. and then that will, that, the name will come back. I'll get those for you. I got them. You got them? I'll tell you, that, that just bothers me that yeah. that happened. I do that with names, too, sometimes. Anyway, I never, I never helped you. He ran it against the... Uh, The guy that was the House member, congressional member, his wife, no. Anyway, he ran against him, and I went to a meeting that well, asked me to introduce Doc Bowen, which mm -hmm. I did. And there was a lot of Republicans, a Republican function, and mm -hmm. I didn't say anything about the guy that's running against uh, my friend, and I said, uh, after it was over, you guys come up to me and said, why didn't you bring his name up and say something about him? I said, that wasn't my job. My job was to introduce Doc, mm -hmm. which is what I did. Well, you should have done that. I said, well, what he said, I know how you are with him, Dale. Dale. He said, I don't know you're with Dale. You're buddies with him. I, I said, Dale is my friend, and he'll be my friend when this is all over. Mm -hmm. And so it was. I didn't, I didn't help anybody that ran against Dale. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, like I said, we used to go to the town. We have a town meeting. We'd ride the same car. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. And one time, I'll tell you a story. Mm -hmm. We were having a, oh, a town meeting in Kendall built a library. And he got there before I did. And I'm walking down the aisle with Carol's with me. We're walking down the hallway, and Dale's partially in the room and partially in the hallway. And he says, well, I can't answer that question, but he said, Senator Meeks is coming. Maybe he can answer it for you. So I went around the corner, and there wasn't a soul in there. <laughs> Nobody. <coughs> we had a town meeting in LaGrange, and we had a guy that was putting 25 or 30 signs in his yard advertising the corner of State Road 5 and US 20. We, we passed where he had to register and put a little thing on. He got mad because he said, that's my yard. I can put in there what I want. And oh, he was just a great, he raised cane. I mean, he was obnoxious. Town meeting. He called my wife one night, just reaped her right over the coals. I mean, it was terrible. So, town meeting, first guy up, started going yak, 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 yak. And I stood up and I said, I'll tell you something. If you ever call my wife again and raise hell with her like you did, you and I are going to have serious problems. I said, you ever call me again, shut up and sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and Dale gets up, and you ever call me again and call my wife? <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. I mean, when I said shut up and sit down, he went down. right down. Somebody said, you didn't tell him that, did you? I said, I did. <laughs> I did some other things. I, I filed a bill one time that said town marshals had to work within their town. Mm -hmm. Town marshal has more police powers than the state police. Because they can write for little things like stops are in town, yeah. parking violations. Yeah. State police can't do that. So they're outside. We got one guy, town marshal in Lagrange, a little town. He's he's been he drives thirty five thousand miles a year. He's running up and down one twenty, clear up at Howe, running radar north of town. Got a girlfriend up there. He goes up and runs radar in front of her house, just outside the city. No protection in the town. The town's paying his wages. He ought to be in town. They shouldn't be running around the countryside. So I filed a bill. Well, they didn't like that, obviously. I got a lot of information. The guy was telling me. He says. This, this chief of this town marshal, run the radar out there on that stretch of road, cite them all in the court, and if, if they decide that they don't want a court, tell them you, you can settle it for $40. Well, they don't want to go to court, so they pay 40 bucks. It goes right to the town, to the police department. He says he's, he does it when he runs out of money. That's the kind of stuff that was going on. So I was trying to stop all that. Yeah. So I, they said, local town cops said, I know them all, all friends of mine. Want to have a meeting? I said, sure, I'll have a meeting. When can you meet? I said, well, I got a town meeting in Syracuse. I'll come back Saturday afternoon about 1 o'clock. I'll stop in. 
So I go in and the room is packed. The room is a little bigger than this, but it's packed. I'm in front and the first seat's right there. I mean, it was contentious. I had asked the sheriff and he said, I support that. At the meeting, the sheriff stands up and didn't support it. He said, it's wrong. You shouldn't be doing it. You should have done that. I said, you told me you supported it. And he said, well, that's before I talked to everybody. Yeah. Uh -huh. All the town, all the marshal board was there, all of them. They got pretty nasty. I'd try to answer a question. They shout at me. Well, you can put this on the record. This is exactly what I told them. Time out. If you don't shut up and let me answer the question, you can all kiss my ass and I'm out of here. Got real quiet in there. I said, now we can talk. That's exactly what I told him. Somebody said, you didn't tell him that. I said, that's cop talk. They understand that. Yeah. That's what I told him. Yeah. Gotta talk, got, talk to him like you normally would. He got real quiet in there. And we worked it out. Uh -huh. The guy said, how about two miles? I said, two miles I can handle. I got it all worked out, and the uh, committee chair wouldn't hear the bill, so it did. He went here. He said, "That's too contentious. I ain't gonna do that." That's a good bill. He said, "I'm not gonna do it." So he's got control. I can't force him. Yeah. So it died. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. You know that driving on the left-hand lane, going down. I filed that bill when I was in there years ago. Mm -hmm. Chairman wouldn't hear the bill. He said, there's no way you can enforce it. I said, oh yeah, there is. You could be in that line behind him. Yeah, but that ain't gonna happen very often. Well, once is enough. They get the word out, they won't do that. He wouldn't hear it. This time they passed it. It's not law. Mm -hmm. Drive that left hand lane, you gotta move over. Mm -hmm. It's a good bill. Well, do I understand too that you put forth a seatbelt bill? The Seatbelt bill? Yeah. Where you, police can pull you over for not wearing your seatbelt, right? I carried that in the Senate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I delivered, I delivered the, the uh, when I presented the bill, I had the final, I get the, the author always gets the final remarks. Mm -hmm. you, you present the bill, debate, you can close. I always, the Senate always gets to close the Senator. So the guy sitting upstairs is like one of the best speeches I ever heard in the Senate floor. Because I told him, I said, you know, I've lived this seatbelt thing. I, I started wearing a seatbelt in 1956. It was just a lap belt. And I said, I've seen people that have died because they didn't have a seatbelt on. I've seen people that have lived because they did have one. And I, you know, I went through my whole, I talked about 15 minutes on that thing in the past. Would you say that your career as a law enforcement officer it influenced a lot of the legislation you put forth? No. It just, I did a lot of public speaking when I was on the state police. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of drug, I did a lot of drug lectures. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did a lot of those, but I had the background for some of the things that were going on. Mm -hmm. But I tried not to be 
known as the police senator. I didn't want sure. to, I wanted a broad thing. Mm -hmm. That's why I tried not to not to carry anything unless it was very important. Mm -hmm. well, I have to ask about the hypnotist bill. Oh. <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, one of the guys in my district, he is dead now, is, was a hypnotist. And uh, actually, he believed that. Uh, when he'd go to the doctor to get some surgery, didn't take, they didn't freeze it, he didn't take any medication. He would hypnotize himself. He wouldn't bleed. He wouldn't feel any pain. Truth. That's a true story. So he got me involved because they weren't licensed in Indiana. And there's a lot of people going around selling this stuff that aren't really licensed and just raking people off. So I filed the bill to, to make them licensed. They had to go be qualified this or that or by mm -hmm. somebody. And I got, I got invited to their I think their national meeting, one of their meetings, mm -hmm. where they hypnotize people up on the stage. Mm -hmm. And everybody said, yeah, that was put up. Yeah, might have been put up with some of them, but I'll tell you, there were some of them were gone. They were out, mm -hmm. out. Did some dumb things when they're out yeah. that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. And uh, if you were receptive to hypnotists, you could sit there and, and be talking to somebody, and, and the guy'd go under. I was sitting at the table, this big table. This this one gal sitting next to me. She went like that. I said, "What's the matter?" She said, "He's starting to put me under. I had to get out of there." So, I carried the bill, and it was uh, difficult. Everybody laughed at me, <laughs> but uh, I got one of their big plaques as. Uh, from their national organization. Mm -hmm. Indiana finally became one of the states that's licensed. Wow. That's a fun bill. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like there's some funny stories on the floor from that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, tell, I tell you a story one time. I had a, we had a situation occurred in Auburn where, a, let's see, I'm going to try to put the facts together because this has been quite a while. Guy got shot when he broke into the house. He ended up suing. And there was a lot of movement in my district up there because it occurred in Auburn. I can't remember all the facts. I'm probably not getting it right. Anyway, I went to a meeting. Wow, there was a couple hundred people there with Dennis Cruz. One of the other house members of me might have been, I don't know who else was over there, anyone, one of the house members. And they were trying to figure out a way to take care of this. And they didn't, they come up, they come up with a lot of weird ideas, you know, get more, everybody get the gun, shoot him, drag him back in the house, all that crap. So I got to thinking. The way to solve that is once you commit a crime in my house, you have waived your rights, and I, if you get hurt as a result of that, I'm not liable. 
civilly. So I wrote, I had LSA write the bill. We wrote it three or four times. I worked with Satch, Bill Slockleo, who was brilliant. We got that all put together. I put it on the floor. I passed that thing two or three times out of the Senate, Senate to the House, never got anywhere. Bob Hellman used to debate me on that. So the second time I did that, we got involved in debate. He got a was really working me over, and I just got all done. He come back. And he said, "You just kicked my butt." I said, "Well, I should. I saw the tape from last year." He said, "You three. <laughs> I did. I watched the tape from last year, and I got him. I knew exactly where it was going. Mm -hmm. But they had one guy that's still in there, Randolph, Lonnie Randolph. He kept saying, "In other words." I'm going home from school and I walk across your yard, you can shoot me because I'm trespassing and I'm not a silly. I said, no, no, you're not going to do that. you got to commit a crime when you're in my house, a crime of burglary, something in my house. And he kept asking, I bet he asked that question 30 times. One little piece out of that line, of that bill, he's the Monty Randolph. I liked him. He got in trouble on the toll road one time. He ran out of gas or had a flat tire and he called me and I took care of it for him. Yeah. He was traveling across. He knew me so he called me and I got a guy to help him out. Didn't cost him nothing. Yeah. Anyway. Well, so I know you were involved with the budget too and we're on the budget committee. Um, and you were known for saying there is no money, is that right? I'll tell you that, when I became the, when Maury retired, I got budget committee. Okay. And then Bob Garden made it the appropriations committee and split the budget, the budget into the appropriations committee and then took the tax and fiscal policy out of it and gave that to Luke. Luke being Kenley? Yeah. Brilliant. Very smart. Good legislator. Him and I had a little confrontation, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. But anyway, I got that. The budget became mine. So Daniels got elected. We were $750 million in payment delays. And this is two, early 2000s. That was 2000, when he first came in office. Okay. Whatever. No, it had to be later than that because that there was buy for eight years and then there was abandoned. I bet it was 04. It had to be eight eight years after 88 because they had O'Bannon and Kernan were in there for four years or eight years, six years. Kernan filled the last years of Frank's term. Bye was in there for eight years. Anyway, he, he got elected. We were $750 million payment delays. 600 million structural deficit. We were spending that much more than we were taking in. So we had to tighten our belt and get rid of those. So that was my goal when I was appropriation chair was to get that under control. So my there is no money became my slogan. There is no money. So I went to the 
they always have a big convocation of lobbyists and business people. They all get together, and then they have various divisions from government come in and talk. And I was in there with uh, Jeff Espick, Vice Simpson, and uh, I don't know who the other was. Two, two Senate, two House, four of us on a panel. So it became my turn. They were all talking, you know, money and da 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 da. da. When it came my turn, I says, <clears throat> Thank you for allowing me to come today, but I want to tell you the motto for this year is there is no money. Now come on. There is no money. There is. Come on now, sing. There is. I had him singing. I said, Remember that. There is no money. <laughs> so, they came in, they knew there wasn't any. So we didn't spend any. So at the end of, I think, the next budget cycle, we had cleared that $750 billion and we, we had a billion dollar surplus because we didn't spend anything. And education still got $660 million of new money. Wow. So the second year I was at that same convocation, same people. So I'm talking. All of a sudden, I reach in my pocket. I'm still talking there. I get my cell phone out. Excuse me a minute. Hello. Uh, yes, Governor. That's what I'm telling them. There is no money. That's what I've been telling them. I'll continue, Governor. Thank you. <laughs> got the message. Uh -huh. And I did it in such a way they'll remember it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. Yeah. I made fun. <laughs> I had fun doing that. Uh -huh. That's why I developed When I went to caucus, there is no money. And they gave me a big sign, there ain't no money. Well, I didn't say there ain't because that's a double negative. There is no money. They gave me a great big sign, they all signed it. That was my mantra, there is no money. But you brought us out of the deficit, I understand. Huh? You brought us out of the deficit, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, tell me a little bit about the Republican caucus. How did that work? They're good. It's, it's where you get the chance to tell your story among your fellow Republicans, try to convince them that you're right on your, on your feeling about an issue. You discuss the issue. If there's anything that the Democrats are trying to do, you discuss that. We always made sure that we had a Republican on the lead of all bills, because the Senate is Republican. They're responsible for anything that comes out of their house. So when they make darn sure that you got your name on it, you want to make sure it's right, because it's law. So we talked about a lot of those things. There was some arguments. Bob Garton was probably, probably the smoothest guy to manipulate people I ever saw. He did it in such a way nobody got mad. He got mad. He said, okay, I'll go downstairs and file the bill today. No, just hold off a minute. No. See, he got him to move. Yeah, he was good at it. He was a good leader, I'll tell you, and a good man, too. He read every bill that came into that Senate. I mean, every bill. It's a lot. And he had this 
need more something in there. Maybe you ought to change this a little because it may change the constitutionality. You make marks on them, send you a note. Better change this a little bit. He's very good. Yeah, he was a good friend of mine too. I uh, hate to see him leave. Because yeah. it was easy to go and talk to. Were you there a couple years after he was out? Okay. Yeah, it was David Long became. Yeah, that was interesting because uh, Kenley came up with uh, maybe Long crews, they had a meeting. They were talking about running, getting their vote. What's your vote for uh, pro tem? I said, you guys forget about me. Maybe I want to run. Just twist it a little. Uh -huh. You know, you can't just take everything for granted. You gotta have, you gotta have a little. They wanted, they had a lot of people wanted me to run for pro tem, but I felt I could do better in the budget. Serve the state better there mm -hmm. than over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I ran the Ligonier District. Everybody said I was the best district commander they ever had, but I, I, I didn't let anybody step on anybody. I didn't let anybody from the outside step on anybody. Mm -hmm. I stuck up for the guys. But anyway, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be. But I thought I'd stick it in there and just put them, let them know I was around. Yeah, I didn't want sure. to let them think they were getting away with everything. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, David got elected. Mm -hmm. He did a good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, David. Well, you said you had a story about Kenley. Yeah, Luke and I. I was. Luke was fiscal tax and fiscal policy. And I had, we had given the K-12 funding to, uh, to Ryan Mishler. And I took college funding, college, and the rest of the budget, 214 pages. And Luke was having meetings with the, I don't want, I don't, maybe I don't want this up. It's up to you. Yeah, well, I, I got, I got, I got upset with Luke because he was trying to do the college funding and that was my job. Mm -hmm. yeah. He got mad and then he called me the next day and apologized and I did too. Yeah. It worked out. But, yeah. You know, I take care of yours and I'll take care of mine. Sure. Yes. But I had that with other people too. So. Yeah. Well, having served that long bound to be conflict, certainly. What would you say, you know, you served close to 20 years or right at 20 years, what were the values of the Republican Party during your time? Good government, small government, mm -hmm. trying to pass things that meant something, that had, that had meaning. There's, you know, you, I was told you can't come up with a new idea on anything because everybody's already tried it. I, I had a lot of bills, my goodness, my first year, I don't know, I must have had a ton of them. But they'd come to me and they went, I'll take it, yeah, I'll take it, I'll take it. Well, I was dumb to do that. Because I couldn't realistically work them all. Mm -hmm. 
I got quite a few of them that were good bills that meant something in the past that had meaning. But I think the philosophy of the government, the public has always been small government. Give people the right to move without having suppression of government on their back. It's been that way. It was that way when I was there. It was Bob Garton's philosophy. That's it. And we had the basic principles of the Republican Party is, is good government. Fiscal responsibility. Take care of education. Take care of the needs of the people that can't take care of themselves. Those that can take care of themselves ought to do something. Welfare is fine, but if you're capable of working, you ought to put something back in the pot. I think that's kind of the philosophy, though. It still prevails. Uh, good philosophy, good government. The problem's always been between Democrats and Republicans. We believe in good government, they believe in spending money. No fiscal responsibility. Mm -hmm. We do. Okay. Can you walk me quickly through the process of putting forth a bill? What does that look like? Well, you got it. Somebody comes. It normally starts with probably somebody in the lobbying community. Everybody says the lobbyists are bad people. Well, they're not bad people because there are so many pieces of legislation. You got to have somebody to go to that knows the facts so you can make a logical decision. The lobbyist does that. Now there's always two. The first question you ask is who's going to oppose it? That's the first question you ask. At least that's what I asked because I didn't want to get in any, any match. So you get the idea, take it to LSA, they drafted it in bill form, in law form. So the language consistent with any format of how it's designed. You bring it back, give it to you, you go through it, you read it, you check it, you make sure it's what you want to say. If it's a lobbyist bill, then you go back to the lobbyist and say, how about this, is this right, this right, this right, is it constitutionally correct, looks good. Okay, then you, 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 got the, you file the bill, it lays on the, I think it has to lay three days. It goes on the floor. It's read on the floor, lays three days. It goes to second reading. You call the bill for second reading. It's eligible for amendments. If there's any amendments from anybody on the floor, you can amend it. You can accept the amendments or you can debate. Debate is a vote, normally a voice vote. Sometimes it's a roll call. After the second reading, goes to third reading, that's when you debate the bill, present the bill for consideration. You argue, go to vote, vote, pass. Who's your House sponsor? You've got to have a House sponsor. You send it to somebody in the House. I had a bill one time that was on water. I, I wrote the bill that regulates personal watercraft. We wrote that whole bill. Who are you sending it to? I'm sending it to, to uh, Dennis Cruz and Phyllis Pond. <laughs> <laughs> Cruz and Pond. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> uh, that's 
funny. I tell you, that bill got defeated on the floor of the house. Mm -hmm. I tell you, that's a good story. I tell that a lot of times because he got defeated on the floor of the house because Phyllis didn't read the latest version. She had the original version, which we changed and made the second. She didn't read the second. So it got beat. It got beat. So the people that had lost a, a daughter because she was water skiing in a personal watercraft cut between the boat and caught her, sucked her right into her with that rope and killed her. They came down, two of them, there might have been more. They lobbied every house member, every house member. So there's always another piece of legislation that's in the same uh, section of the code. I amended it to that bill, sent it back to the house, and they lobbied every house member, and that bill passed. So I tell everybody, if you think the government doesn't respond to your word, there's a good example. You gotta get involved. If you got something, get your people together. Don't yell and scream. Just ask them to come out and ask them, talk to them about it. You get you can change people. And they did. That bill passed. I tell you, I've been very fortunate in my twenty years. I've got four honorary doctorate degrees. I got one from Vincennes, IU, Purdue, and Trine. And I also got the one from Ivy, from Ivy, from Ivy Tech. What was the fourth one you said? From Trine. 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 Where's that? Up at Angola, Trine oh. University. Okay. One of the best engineering schools around. Mm. And it's got a marvelous super chancellor up there, president. Mm -hmm. He's taking that university and just, wow. I mean, the campus is beautiful. Up there. Yeah. I've got to speak to every one of those graduating classes, all of them. Wow. Got the cap and gown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I still got them. I got the gowns at home. I can wear them <laughs> if I get, if I. I don't think it's cold this winter. Yeah, you know, I'm an honorary doctor. I can wear my gown if I go to a commencement. Uh-huh. But it was, it's quite an honor to have it. I got the. Sagamore Wabash from the governor. He, he presented it to me at election day. Which governor presented it to Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. Great guy. He really is. Probably one of the best governors we've had in a long time. Fiscal responsible. Mm -hmm. I mean, he knew, and he's smart. Very smart. He's doing a great job at Purdue. I was going right? to say, yeah, he's up at Purdue now, right? I, he had a, they had a bill that he wanted to attach a penalty if a riverboat was sold, called a transfer penalty tax. And I wouldn't do it. I said, no. I said, they put $700 million in our coffers every year. Why do we want to pick on them? You know, why do you want to bite the hand that feeds you? I wouldn't do it. The governor says, we're going to do it. I said, Governor, you work in the executive branch, and I work in the legislative branch, and we're not going to do it. <laughs> and we didn't. <laughs> well, you would have been around when the gambling legislation was oh, yeah. going. What was your stance on that? Well, I voted for the, for the river votes. I voted for that. Mm -hmm. 
my vote was what set that in. Yeah. What What was your take on it'd be good for Indiana, or what was sort of your motive there? Well, people are going to gamble. They go to you go to Las Vegas, get a plane out of Indianapolis, it's full. They're going to gamble. Why not just let them do it here? Mm -hmm. I like the model in. in What's that? When you come into Kentucky, it's a big, big sign there. It's something about in, Indiana stealing our money or something to that effect because mm -hmm. they went in there and gambled. Yeah. You know, $700 million. I believe in when they, they did it, I tried, there were two boats that uh, I got a signed autograph from uh, the president. Donald J. Trump. I had a meeting with one of them. There was about five or six of us, maybe more, that had a meeting with uh, Trump over his two riverboats. Had dinner with him. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, they had a guy that wanted to buy one of them and put it in Angola. So I was after I got out of the Senate because I said, he got one in Northwest, he got two in Northwest. You got one in southeast, you got one in southwest, you got one in Indianapolis. There's nothing in the northeast. Give us a break. No. So what happened? The Indians built the one over at South Bend. Indian. So now northeast still doesn't have anything. They got a horse track up there, parimutuel better, which is full every day. So I just figured that gaming, regardless, we might as well it's coming. You might as well do it. Yeah. Now, now was it, fill me in a little bit on the the Trump thing because wasn't um, he? So we wanted to buy one of those river boats, or was he going to help get some in Gary? He's, or? He had two of them up there. They were they were joined at the hip. Okay. Two river boats, and they were right together. Mm -hmm. You could go on, and you could go this way or this way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think he was. Going to sell them or something. I can't remember what. The, mm -hmm. He was trying to get them to be land-based. Mm -hmm. I can't remember all the details of that meeting. It's been yeah, it's been, ago. It's been 12, 13 years ago mm -hmm. or longer. Yeah. Anyway, the the guy that wanted to build the one over here was a black fellow that came here in his limousine. And, he had the money, he was gonna, he had the land staked out up there, he was gonna buy. It would have been ideal, right close to I-80 and I-69, it would have been ideal for that part of the state. They were in favor of it, town was. Because you go down to southern Indiana, down at, uh, Belpera, or? Down, I'm talking about the one over on the east side. Oh, in Evansville area? But, no, the other way. Lawrenceburg. Oh. They got the streets lined in gold. Oh, gosh, what's that one called? I don't know. I just know I it's a book. Yep, I can't think of what that I had called. an argument with her. I, <laughs> I went down there. I went, they got to, I don't know, probably, I don't know how many millions of dollars in their, in their foundation. We were thinking we ought to take some of that money. Oh, talk about the sore spot. <laughs> so I met with the town council from Lawrenceburg and came up to the office. And 
Of course, the senator, Johnny Nugent, was from down there, and he didn't want to do that, which I don't blame him because they didn't want to do it. So we got together and we think, well, we'll just take a little of it based on how much you have. We, we didn't get it done. But I went to Lawrenceburg, the budget committee went down there, and this guy that was the town, you know, uh, town clerk or the town manager, I guess, mm -hmm. it wasn't the mayor, it was the town manager. We got in a little debate about their money, how much they had, mm -hmm. and why they weren't sharing it with everybody like they should. You know, if you got it, you ought to share it. When we got all done, the guy come up to me, he said, you know, he's wanted me to son of a bitch from Indianapolis, so I finally did. <laughs> I said, thank you, sir. Comments are well taken. <laughs> so he told me. I wasn't very popular now. Yeah, yeah. That's the right thing to do. Just, you know, I was just trying to, when you're looking for money, Yeah. We, we authorized the riverboat down there, and we, Although it was a private contract that they had negotiated with the Riverboat, we thought we ought to have a little piece of it. Was that Argosy? Is that what that one's called? Uh, it could be. I've I been can't in every remember one of them. now. I've been in every one of them. Yeah. Budget committee traveled around. Yeah. The one down in Evansville, I won. Got off there and we went to, I had a drink and I had to buy. And I lost. <laughs> well, that's what happens when <laughs> I you lost. win. <laughs> cost me more than I won. Uh, that's funny. Oh, ridiculous. That was fun. Yeah. Well, but, I, you know, I I think having, getting those four honorary doctorates, I mean, I got some nice plaques you know, like this. Mm -hmm. I get a pin to wear when I go to the, any of their things. Mm -hmm. I still get invited back to I, down at IPFW, Fort Wayne, all those buildings down there. I was on the budget committee. Mm -hmm. The Innovation Center was a concept that they had where they wanted to start in particular. They were working partially, but they wanted to expand it. Mm -hmm. I got a $5 million grant to start that. And that thing is now part of IPFW. Wow. It's still there. The student housing. IPFW Fort Wayne, first student regional campus that got student housing. That's you too. Yeah, they built the medical center up there for doctors. <laughs> I mean, you again? I've done a lot for it. Well, I, I did that because everything up there helps that whole area, which helps me. Right. Helps that whole area. Yeah. Even though I live in the Grange. Still helps me. Sure. Stuffs my whole area. Yeah. And Fort Wayne was not my district. Never had Fort Wayne. That was my brother's. Mm -hmm. well, what was it like to serve with your brother? Well, it was good. We every Sunday night we had coffee. We had milk and cookies in, in the room at the hotel. We stayed at the Renaissance up on Ninth Street. Every Sunday night we got together and talk about things. Mm -hmm. He came to me. He was the executive director of the National Sheriff's Association in, in Washington. He lived in Arlington. Mm -hmm. So he had a high, 
high paying job, me, me, he made lots of money. He was sheriff and made lots of money. His retirement lots of money. And he came to me and he said, uh, I'm thinking about running for the Senate. Do you care if I run? I said, no, I'd love to have you. He said, well, I'm going to run. So good. So he ran. We got along just fine. He, uh, he was, he argued. He was really, he really, he'd go to caucus. And if he had a point, he wouldn't, he wouldn't let go of it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was just the way he did things. He'd go to the mic and say, well, the Honorable so-and-so, you know, he was really like they do in Washington. That's how he did it. Very respectful. And uh, he was all right. He got along just fine. We never had any, any arguments. Well, he kind of followed your career path too, right? I mean, he got into law enforcement. He, and he took my job when I left the Sheriff's Department. Uh -huh. so. Yeah, it just, just happened to be that way. Mm -hmm. He died when he was in office. And he came to me after I got I got promoted to Brigadier General in the Indiana Guard Reserve by General Buskirk. Got my stars. He was at that party because I had a group of friends that I wanted in there. On the way back, he told me that he he had cancer. I mean, he was. He told me in the parking lot. In the Senate parking lot. Of course, you know, we hugged each other and hung on. And then he, when he came back the second time, he said it's back. Uh, it was really bad. He died when I was when I was in uh, Florida playing golf. He's a good brother. What he believed in, he believed. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't budge. Mm -hmm. he, his convictions were very strong. Mm -hmm. I lived at police station for 28 years as the sheriff department, and then he went to Washington. Mm -hmm. He traveled all over the country. Wow. He had friends everywhere. Mm -hmm. he, he met with Clinton several times as a National Sheriff's Association. Yeah. Wow. So, he, you know, he was rubbing elbows with some big people. Yeah. I rubbed elbows in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. He was at a little higher level. Yeah. <laughs> now, did your other brother, Fred, is that what you said? Yeah. Did, was he in law enforcement as well? or No. No. no he, was, he had his own business. I have a son. Lane. When I left the Senate, I had all the signs. I tried to convince him to run. I said, just go file. The name, everybody knows the name. They'll think it's me. I mean, not that I'm so good, but they'll know it. They've yeah. got an association with the name. They know what it means, service. He said, I don't do that. I said, man, it's laid out for you. I'll give you all the signs. <laughs> Give me everything I got. I'll give you some money. Yeah. And I said, no, I can't do that. I don't want to do it. 
He's seven. He was, I was senior in high school. A devout Republican. Oh, really? <laughs> and he, he follows politics. He knows politics. Mm -hmm. He debates with the teachers. He does. And he would have been, uh, he would have run. He's a gifted musician. He plays the piano, he sings. He plays in the church. In fact, Sunday he's playing church. They're letting him, gonna, he's going to sing two Billy Joel songs in the church Sunday. He's saying, in this school, they have uh, at the end of the year they have everybody comes in and performs. Mm -hmm. He got on the stage and sang uh, two songs, played the piano and sang, and the girls went nuts. He's saying "Rock about Crocodile, Rock oh. Bay" or whatever that is. Uh -huh. He sang that song, and they were yelling and screaming. <laughs> That's fun. I said, "How'd it go?" And he said, "Oh, it went fine." He said, "The two of them asked me to marry him." <laughs> <laughs> a big day for him, I guess. But he uh, he entered in a contest at my daughter's request, and he won first place. Oh wow! He can play. I tell you, he's really a good pianist. Mm -hmm. He adds live when he's playing. Yeah. Wow. He played a concert. His teacher. He's still taking piano lessons at the end of the year. This will be his last one in this year. He has a concert. He plays classical stuff. Mm -hmm. Then he, he plays a duet with her. And, impressive. Uh, oh, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's very good, and he's got a good voice. Mm -hmm. I think he's—I don't know where he's. Not sure where he's going yet. I think he mm -hmm. may be going to—I don't know where he's going. Yeah, it's a big he's decision. He's looking at Ball State or IU or someone else somewhere. Yeah. Well, I just have a few more questions left, but... Uh, I've just been wandering around with this. That's okay. That's the whole point, is to get all these stories down. I'm enjoying it. So, um, what, is, what would you say the public does not know about how the General Assembly operates? Or just about the General Assembly? What they don't know, obviously, what goes on behind those closed doors when they have caucus. Mm -hmm. The Democrats, the difference is I've seen between Republicans and Democrats when it comes to those closed door meetings. The Democrats go in there and they fight like crazy, but they come out of there and they're bond together and they stay together. Republicans go in and fight like crazy and come out and they're all over the place and they're talking about it out here. Democrats don't talk about it, Republicans talk about it. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. But that's some things that go on behind them doors. And it's not bad, it's just that it's the way. Making laws is like making sausage. It doesn't look good. <laughs> and you know, General Assembly's the legislature <clears throat> was created to take the fighting off the streets and moving into a confined area called the chambers. That's why it was done, to take it off the streets and bring it in here. That's, a, that's exactly the way it was. So what goes on in there in those meetings is generally not general knowledge for the public. They shouldn't know about all that.
So it's not that it's bad, it's just that it's sausage. Yeah, you just gotta kind of work through it to get everybody on the same page yeah. or understanding the issues. It's just, I think that's probably one of the things that some of the back deals that are made some to get something done. There's a lot of negotiating, give and take. It's not that they shouldn't know that, but that's the way it works. You do this and this. It's nothing illegal. It's not bad. It's just the way you get things done. It's sausage making. I want this. Well, I want this. Well, let's see if we can't work together and we both get it. That's when Dale Sturtz, Sturtz was that guy. So when Dale was, we had, we had an excess lottery money. He used to give out grants. He took his in the house, and I got together with him. I said, no, Dale, you take those, and I'll take these, and we'll get them all. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. Yeah. He got them, I got them. Was we that did. the Build Indiana Fund? Is that yeah. what that money was called? Yeah. yeah. And I ran that for a while. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I, I took care of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's how we got things done. Yeah. It's not, it's not bad, it's just sausage making. Mm -hmm. Well, what were some of the most controversial either issues or pieces of legislation that you recall from your time? The ones that always are the controversial ones is the, the abortion question. Those things just, they back and forth and they, they keep tinkering with it. In party or between parties or everywhere? Well, mostly Republicans sometimes. Democrats are pro-choice, pro pro-life, mm -hmm. generally. Mm -hmm. And uh, those arguments on the floor of the Senate they get pretty nasty because it's personal to some people. Mm -hmm. and, you know, when you get into those issues, they become really controversial. So those would, and they just go on. And on and on. It seems like everybody's got to talk about it. And I made my, when they came to me, I made myself known that I am pro-life. Don't bother me. But I also believe we got enough. We don't need to be tinkering with that thing. Leave it alone. Those are some of the issues that we've had. Uh, Budget was always a question. I was always debated, argued, because there wasn't enough here, wasn't too much there. You didn't, I didn't, you, you know, back and forth. Education was always debates because you had ISTA, what this, and, and uh, Bob Garten was, or Bob Margraf was the leader for the ISTA at that time. They were pretty powerful he was. back in the day. Yeah, they were, and I got along with him fine. Uh, he sent a note in to me one time and said, vote yes. I went out in the hall I said, don't ever tell me how to vote. You can talk to me, but don't ever tell me. I got along with him fine. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't take any of his crap. Yeah. Um, what legislation did you work the hardest on? Budget. That and uh, I rewrote all the bills on the, on the, on the uh, lakes. 
because I started a links management group because there was so many complaints coming from high water and from this and that, ducks, you know, just all kinds of complaints. And so I said, that's, I got together with the, one of the guys from DNR, I said, let's form a Wake Lakes Management Work Group and have people from all walks come together. <coughs> and we did that. Our first meeting with Angola, there was so much water, it rained so hard, the water was clear up the top of the curbs, but we had a lot of people. So we divided them in three groups, put all the issues down that were raised in those groups, took that issue, took it to the Lakes Management Work Group, which I chaired, and debated, talked about it, created a lot of legislation that went through there. Just, I can't remember all that. It was just a, a lot of legislation about uh, environment, about fishing laws, about everything. Boats, licensing. <coughs> it all went there. I don't know how many pieces of legislation we passed, but we, I think we had something like 80 recommendations for legislation. Wow. A lot of them got laws, a lot of them didn't. But you talk about stuff just as good sometimes. What was your proudest moment as a legislator? I think, if I think back, the proudest moment that I had was when I walked in the first day. I stood up there in that balcony and looked down. That was the best day. And every time I went in there, I mean, I'd walk the halls, I could hear the voices from the past. I could hear the debates. I could hear the, I'd walk, I could just walk in the Senate floor and just feel the majestic feeling that I had when I walked in there. Not power, I didn't have power, it was just a feeling of responsibility. Because I had all this, I could change the law. It's quite a feeling. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I think that was in the last budget that I passed. Normally that's debated. There's amendments filed, there's debate, argument. When I filed the last budget, it went for second reading, no amendments. It went to the third reading. I presented the bill. I think it was why I got up and argued in favor of the bill. It passed without debate. Wow. It's the first time in 20 years that that ever happened. But there wasn't any debate or a meeting. You know why? Because I worked with the Democrats. I did. I worked with them. Do you think that's key for getting things done? Oh, absolutely. I mean, right now, the Senate's got what? 37 Republicans. They can do whatever they want. They only ain't 26. They don't need the Democrats. But when I was in there, one time it was 26-24. Now that's pretty close, because you got to have 26 votes to pass anything. If you're a short one, you got 25. You tell the governor, let's go to vote, because he chairs. He's the, he's the president of the Senate, and he was a Democrat. 
So that was a different tune, but then we picked up more seats and got easier. But still, you know, I, I, like I said, I think the Democrats, they deserve to have a voice. Because they got, they got 26,000. I don't want I think I had 26,376. But I, I think I knew that because one week they all called me. <laughs> I think. <laughs> you know, I, I love that job. I love the challenges. I love the people. Got madder in hell sometimes. But it was still fun. Because you could argue on the floor with a Democrat and go across the street that night and have a drink together and not argue over there. Leave it on the floor. You, know, just, you didn't take it out. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Not like Congress. We never had that problem. I was down there when they had the 5,000 people, workers, when they were passing the right to work bill. I was down there then. That was, that was pretty exciting. There was so many out in the hallway that you couldn't walk around. The building was, the floor was, it was. What, six thousand of them on the west of the left door, the west door. I had a guy from Lagrange came down. To, he said, "I come down here to give you hell," but he said, "I found out I can't do that." I said, "Why?" He said, "They told me you were all right." So I said, "Okay, that's gone." So I went out and walked in the middle of them, them six thousand, whatever, in the middle of them. I said, "Just don't tell them who I am. Let's just go and see what's going on." I'm not serving for a while. He said, aren't you afraid? I said, of what? I've been in tougher business jobs than these. I've been in riots, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I know what it's like to be afraid. Yeah, this is different. I think that's probably that and that budget. But that first time on the, on the floor of the Senate and my first bill. I tell you, I carried every piece of legislation that I carried. I knew everything about that that there was to know. I took that bill and read every line. And if there was a code site listed, I checked to see what it was and wrote it down so I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. So they said, what's this here code site in Anaconda? What is that? I'd tell them because they're looking for places to discredit you. Never got it done. Had to be prepared. I was prepared. Mm -hmm. I don't care what bill it was. What would you say was your biggest hurdle that you overcame during your time of service? The biggest hurdle? Mm -hmm. uh, moving from chairman of the chairman uh, uh, chairman of the uh, chair. The, let's see. I'm trying to remember what chair that I. Can, all the gun legislation came through that bill to that committee because Bob Garden sent them all to me. And every one of them, if they got out of there, had my name on them. But I held them all because I didn't want any of them out, they weren't good. But moving from that chair to the budget was 
the biggest one. What made it so difficult? Some responsibility. You're talking billions of dollars. You're talking what? Billions of dollars for education. For higher ed, for general services of government, state police. I wrote their pay bill. I funded it. Zulansky was the lead, but I'm the one who helped put that together. The one that got the money in the budget. And the way that happened, I said, Larry Borst was finance chairman. I was chairman of the budget committee. Larry and I went to Tennessee to play golf. I went down with Jim Benninger. I said, Larry, got money for the state police? Yeah. I said, what are you going to do with it? I'll just give it to the state police. I said, you can't do that. you got to develop a matrix of some kind that puts the money down the way it has to be. If you send it to the state police, they'll take it. And 20% for a guy that's making 40000 is a lot more than a guy that's making ten. You can't do it that way because the guys at the top will take it all. Well, we're going to send it to them. I hammered that all the way down there, all the way back. I went back, he finally said, okay, I'll do it that way. I said, thanks. That's exactly how that happened. <laughs> so they got the matrix. Some troopers got $15,000 raise. Now a trooper after 25 years makes $60,000. They, you know, I never made 20. Yeah. Wait till next year. That was my argument when I went to the mic. I said, I was told that for years. Wait till next year. I said, guys, this is next year. Yeah. It has to be now. I, I was told that for <coughs> 20 years. Mm -hmm. wow. That was a big accomplishment, getting that done, too. If I try to remember, I said, I. I got involved in a lot of things. Yeah. What's your favorite story or anecdote as a legislator? Oh boy. <laughs> I have to think about that in a minute. I think that story about Sturzy and I go in meetings together when we both stood up and told a guy to yes. sit down. <laughs> that was probably the funniest thing. Yeah. Ever. I'm sure a lot happened there. Oh, a lot happened in 20 are there, years. Are there any overarching lessons that you learned from any your what? time? Lessons that you learned as a legislator? Listen. Listen. Listen to what people don't try to talk when they're, when they're talking. Listen to what they have, what they want, mm -hmm. what they need, and try to fill it. If they got a problem, try to help. You know, some things I can do, some things I can do. I did a lot of things I didn't think I could do. A woman sent the wrong check one time. She sent the check to the state that should have went to the federal government and switched them around. And boy, that's a mess because those are electronic transfers, and they go to Cincinnati. The Fed does. I tried to straight that out. It was terrible. And I have one that 
She paid it, the check bounced. You know what the fine is? Double. She owed 700 and went to 1400 Trying to fix that was not easy either. But I did. They said, don't ever do it again. <laughs> she said, I won't. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, things like that, mm -hmm. that I did, mm -hmm. that never make the headlines. Yeah. So those are day-to-day -day things. Mm -hmm. but I enjoyed doing all that. Mm -hmm. That's why I listed my phone number. Yeah. So she could get me. Yeah. You wanted the people to call you and to be them. in touch. I can't help you if you don't call me. Mm -hmm. And if you do call me, I'll, if I can help you, I'll tell you I can't help you. Unless they chew out your wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, most of the time you can usually do something, sure. even if it's just little things, mm -hmm. agreeing with them, mm -hmm. making them feel like they had the chance to say something to somebody that could make a difference. Yeah. <clears throat> How has the state of Indiana changed over the course of your lifetime? Well, <clears throat> where I live, it's gotten bigger. We've had an influx of people in the county that I live in because we've got an abundant number of lakes in the Grange County. So there's a lot of people that are retiring and everything. And I see the, the people getting older. we got more Amish. I mean, we got Amish everywhere. we got them living just down the street from me, both ways. Why are more Amish moving into the area? I don't know. There's just more of them. And they're, they're expanding. There used to be little areas. Mm -hmm. Now they're old from the whole county, everywhere. <clears throat> and they're, they're, they're good people. Mm -hmm. They just don't have cars. They go to bed like 8 o'clock at night. It's, I mean, it gets wintertime, the lights are out of the home. By yeah. 6.30 they're yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I, I think the Indiana's changed that way. I think uh, it's in some ways, it just hasn't moved. I'll give you an example. I live in east of LaGrange. LaGrange is the county seat. Hadn't grown much. Look at Shipshawana, for example. The other way, just boomed. They got trailer manufacturers. They got mobile home factories. They got woodwork. It's just expanded over there. Have you ever been in there? No, but my husband uh, and his family have gone up there a lot. I mean, that thing at, in LaGrange, the only place they've got an industrial park just north of town, they picked up a few. They tried to get one up at the toll road, it just fell flat, mm -hmm. it didn't, didn't mature. They got the major moves money. I wrote the major moves bill on the toll road too. I, took, I wrote the Senate, I was the Senate sponsor of that bill. They got that major moves money. And I had to divorce myself from it because I was so upset the way they're spending it. They're giving the fire departments fire trucks. And that's not what it was intended for. And I tell them that. And they said, oh no, we've, the law's been changed. Well, I called the LSA. There hadn't been any amendments to that bill since it was drafted and passed. None. What was the money supposed to go to? Five things. Economic development. Uh, 
or I can't remember, economic development, partnerships with counties for economic development. It could go for roads that went to economic development. There was five things you could use it for. They took a million of it, million eight, gave it to the school for a, to build a, a concept on tech, they call it tech lab, mm -hmm. million eight. Just, I told my wife, I said, I gotta just shut up. And it just absolutely infuriates me when they spend it that way. I am fiscal responsible <laughs> and it ought to be spent the way the law says it ought to be spent. Yeah. It's not being. They give fire department. They said, well, Meeks promised the fire department $500,000 and Meeks didn't promise anybody anything. I never promised a soul anything. They said he did. I did not. I know better to do that. Yeah. Well, how has the General Assembly changed? Well, when I was there, the way it was changing, the Republicans were running everything. I suspect now, with that many in the Senate, they're doing about what they want to do. That's the biggest change that I see. There doesn't seem to be any equal between the Democrats and Republicans. There ought to be a little more. I want the Republicans to control, but I don't think they ought to have everything. It's the same. It's the same people singing from the same song sheet. That's what it looks like to me, and it seems to be working. Uh, they got good people, good people on both sides still down there. But, you know, I don't. I they got people I don't even know. Yeah. You know, I've been gone now what, since 2008. Been Ten years. Sure, there's been a lot of change, probably, or turnover yeah. in people, at least. Well, what, yeah. if any, enduring qualities do Hoosiers have, still have? They have the ability they'll take care of one another. They're very giving people. I can tell you that firsthand because I ran, a, we had a Shriner up there that was very sick spent a lot of money, spent a lot of time in the hospital. I had a fundraiser for him. We raised $21,000, presented it to him at Christmas time to help pay for the bills. People were given $100 bills, $500, and one guy gave 1000 I mean, it was unbelievable. We had a breakfast. You come for breakfast and throw money in the pot, I mean, I had a stack of bills, like, unbelievable. But they do that for everything. My wife is a volunteer at the Clothes and Food Basket, which gives food and clothes. She'd been there, I think, 34, 35 years. She's worked there. In fact, she's working today. She works Monday and Thursday. Giving. People bring stuff in there at Christmas time. Everybody, canned goods, I mean, <coughs> they have a fundraiser here, they have a fundraiser there, all goes to the food and clothes basket. Mm -hmm. <coughs> they take care of a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. They feed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, 
the grades, the people in, that I know, are, that's the kind of people they are. They're, they're giving. Mm -hmm. If one gets in trouble, everybody's there. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the way the Amish are. Yeah. If the house burns down, the next day everybody's there helping build a new one. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody. Yeah. That's the way it works. So I, I think that is probably the best quality that I see is Indiana. Mm -hmm. People are very giving of themselves. Yeah. It's a good quality. It is. It's a Hoosier. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I think we've been through most all my questions here that I had for you. Is there anything I haven't asked or any stories that you want to share that we haven't covered? No, I don't think so. I think I've talked enough. <laughs> I've told you a lot of stuff here that I don't know good it is what you're looking no, for. No, this is perfect, perfect, but you I, I think in my 20 years, I enjoyed my 25 years in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed my four years on the school board, although that's the most contentious position. I mean, when you fire the basketball coach and you tear buildings down, you just don't make, in fact, when I run for the Senate, I didn't carry my own precinct. I got beat in my own precinct. They were mad. <laughs> oh, God. That was something else. Anyway, I just, I loved all of that. But my years in the Senate, it, I had, I was not, I was not the law. I was the maker of the law. It gave me a different press, different perspective on how things ought to be. Mm -hmm. But that probably was uh, the highlight of my, my, my career. Mm -hmm. Back to my wife, married to my wife. For, I got married in 1955. So I've been married a few years. <laughs> you, yeah. She's a very good woman. Mm -hmm. Very beautiful. Got four kids, got grandkids and great grandkids. They got four wonderful kids. Mm -hmm. and I'll see them all tomorrow night. We play cards every Friday night. Oh, we five in and bid euchre. Yeah, that's a fun family tradition yeah, to do. We do it every Friday. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But I think that okay. 20 years is, I didn't spend much time at home. My wife didn't go with me. I went down on Sunday night and come home Friday. Mm -hmm. Saturday and Sunday I had papers spread all over the table, reading, mm -hmm. doing the budget work, trying to... I read every stinking line of that thing, compared last year's budget, this year's budget, and what they were asking for next year, mm -hmm. compared them all together. Mm -hmm. And Phi Simpson, her L.A. was shot to Fiki came to me and says, Bob, Senator Vi wants to raise the money for airports. I think it was 250, she wanted a half million. I said, why? And she said, well, they need it. I said, well, they didn't even spend their 250,000 last year. Oh, no, they spent way more than that. I said, no, they didn't. Well, I'll check and I'll be back. Come back about an hour later and he said, he said, you were right, but how'd you know that? 
I says, because I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good memory for yeah. figures, uh-huh. numbers. Well, you just mentioned your, your family. How did your being away for part of the year affect them? Well, it didn't affect my wife because she had to well, She had active in the, the food and clothes bathroom. She mm-hmm. took care of that. She's active in the church. Mm-hmm. She's on the church council. Mm-hmm. So I, my kids were all gone, of course. Yeah. So. But they were all close enough that she could talk with them every day. Yeah. So she did. She just stayed home. Yeah, kept busy. She did her thing. And, uh, she just was busy. Yeah. I'd come home. I'd talk to her during the week. Mm-hmm. I didn't call her every day. I didn't have time every day. Probably should have. As I look back over the time, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I really made is I never called my wife every day. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd have done that. No. I didn't do that. I got so wrapped up in what I was doing that I just. It's not that I didn't give her a thought, it's just I didn't take the time. Yeah. I should have done that. It was a big mistake. It's the worst thing I did. It sounds like she was still very supportive of the, your career. Oh yeah, she uh, she campaigned with me. Mm-hmm. Every time I run, she was right there. She took care of my finances. She was my finance officer. Mm-hmm. Took care of all the money. Wow. We used to have golf tournaments. I'd have 75, 80 golfers trying to squeeze them into a golf head. Yeah. And every time we did it, it rained. So they, I told the golf course, I said, you schedule me when you want rain. Because, <laughs> God, it rained every time, except the last time. That's funny. And I, I even, the day, my last golf outing, I invited everybody mm-hmm. that I could, and I paid for it all. It didn't cost them. Was my gift to them. Mm-hmm. Fed them, breakfast, had donuts in the morning, hamburgers and hot dogs, mm-hmm. so, and then steak at night. <laughs> Sounds like a fun outing. That was a, I had a lot of fun. I had a door prize for everybody that came. Mm-hmm. We had door prizes, just everything. Yeah. I mean, I took care of the. Some of them got some good doors. Some of them got a full set of golf clubs. Wow. Woods irons, bag, everything. Now this was for people who had supported your campaign? And yeah, I'd raised dollars It's impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a lot of friends. Yeah. Got funeral directors. I wrote the pre-need bill for the funeral directors. So that I mean, I wrote it, I carried it for them, but uh-huh. I didn't want to carry it. Sure. I got their legislative their award, I think, about six years or seven years in a row. <laughs> Black. Yeah. I got, from IU, I got their, some kind of award that they give. It's supposed to be pretty prestige, though. It is right now. I got a, it's a plaque, some kind of award that they give to somebody that's done it exceptional work from the university. I got that one year too. Oh, was that the Chancellor's Medal? Did you get that one year too? Yeah, I did. I got that at South Bend. Yeah. 
Thought you'd know that. I saw that online. They have yeah. a list of the yeah, one. So, yeah. yeah. That was an honor, too. Mm -hmm. The uh, education building, I funded that for mm -hmm. repair. Mm -hmm. Didn't build a new one. But I also got their uh, student housing. Mm -hmm. That's the second place. Now, didn't they rename the Ligonier Post after you, too? Do what? Did they rename the Ligonier Post the, 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 after you? The, not the Ligonier, but they told us the toll road post. The toll road post. On the toll road. Okay. Ligonier, they tore it out. Oh, okay. Put a McDonald's there. Kills me every time I go there. <laughs> but it does. <laughs> I, hate, I hated that. Yeah. They just spent a lot of money fixing it up and uh -huh. closed it. Police away from the people. Mm -hmm. When that happened, the sheriff's calls went up like this because mm -hmm. we were no longer there. Yeah. Even though the numbers were the same, we weren't there. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing how that worked. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why you want to take yourself away. Well, they're trying to consolidate the posts, make them bigger. Mm -hmm. Bigger's not, not good, it's smaller. Smaller, it's more cohesive. That, mm -hmm. that post is one of the best posts, best run post in the state. Everybody got along. We had Christmas parties. We had all kinds of gatherings for the guys to get together. Mm -hmm. Our Christmas party was, uh, tell you a story about that. We had, uh, every year we had a Christmas party. Mm -hmm. If somebody done something, during the year that brought the attention. It's like we had, we bought a nice carpet sweeper, expensive. Mm -hmm. And a year later, the guy come at 11.30 at night or to pick it up to service it in the company. Well, he stole it. He not only got ours, he got the janitors too. <laughs> So the guy that was on post command mm -hmm. got the fickle finger of fate award. <laughs> Took a hand, put it in a glove, put plaster on it, uh -huh. and named it the fickle finger of fate award. <laughs> That's funny. We, it not only went to guys, we had uh, Larry Clodfelder and I used to go a lot of F. FOP functions in four away. Mm -hmm. We danced a lot. We, went, our, we used to have dances. We had a group of troopers, I don't know, about five or six of us that went to a lot of dances. Mm -hmm. FOP dances. Went to Ligonier, they had dances down there. We go down there, we like to dance. Mm -hmm. Coming back from four away, late at night, and Clodfelder lived in. Syracuse hit a deer on the way home. So they took a picture of his wife sitting in the car. She was, you know, she was just tired and mm -hmm. her hair was a little sloppy in her head and she was sleepy. Took a picture of him. I blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, this fickle finger work. Sometimes we give it to, to troopers who do something, but sometimes the wives deserve it too, and I presented it <laughs> to her. I thought she was going to kill me. I bet. I bet. Oh, she, she just died a couple. Oh, that's 
couple funny. of months ago. She had Alzheimer's. She was Aww. five years in a nursing home. Yeah, that's right. But I, I still laugh about that. Yeah, but we used to have fun. Mm -hmm. And it was fun at our parties. Mm -hmm. I used to MC a lot of, lot of retirements. Mm -hmm. And always had stories. I told him about the district lieutenant. I said he was, one time he, he was sitting in his office with his secretary and he said, he said, you know, how did that story go that I said that? He said, you know, you shouldn't even be in here. And he said, by the way, you shouldn't even be sitting on my lap. <laughs> just stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, just I we just I I just I search for stories to yeah. tell. Yeah. So I used to MC all the Christmas parties. Mm -hmm. I MC'd a lot of retirements. Mm -hmm. In fact, I MC'd Les Alligood's retirement when I was in the Senate. I came. He called me, wanted me to do it. I come back and being in the Senate to do it. Well, I don't know. I've had uh, I've had a good life. I've got. A wonderful wife. I got four wonderful kids. I got grandkids, mm -hmm. great grandkids. Yeah. They're all beautiful. Wonderful. And I got a home. I don't know anybody. My bills are all paid. <laughs> what more can you ask for? I can't ask for any more now. Well, thank you so much for driving up here and meeting me today. I really appreciate it and I've enjoyed talking with you. All the troopers can thank me for their pay raise. <laughs> Okay. I'll I'm, make sure that's noted. I am the one that funded it. Okay.